champagne. Hi, and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray. It is time to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Mary Babbitt. And I'm Mary Orlin. And um, for those of you who know our show, our theme music is a little bit different this week. Um, we just heard a nice snippet from a song called Don't Waste My Champagne. And there's a reason for that. Um, first, we've got a guest in the house who is all about the bubbles. And um, just to tell you a little bit about the song, it's um, a musician in the Palm Springs area where I'm based. And um, he and his wife have a radio show that they host on the weekends here when it's all about any kind of music, and then when Sundays are all about the jazz. But Wendy Jane, his Jimmy Fitz's wife, loves champagne. So she wrote the lyrics, he did the song, they graciously let us use it. So it's a great kickoff for our bubbly guest today. That is right. Thank you, Mary Orlin, for the cool hiccup. Hiccup, not hiccup. <laughs> See, that sounds like I've already had too much champagne. There and you I go. I have a glass in front of me. But <laughs> it's the bubbles. It's the bubbles. <laughs> Speaking of hiccups, we'll be doing more of that later. But uh, uh, we are recording, we should let you know today, over Zoom. And sometimes the audio is a little funky, so we want to apologize outright for that. If it gets weird, you know why. But um well, if the conversation gets weird, I'll take the blame on that. But if the audio sounds bad, <laughs> we'll blame the champagne. Yeah, there you go. But our guest today is Blaine Ashley. She is the founder of The Fizz is Female. That's her website where she promotes all things bubbly. She was named one of the 40 under 40 tastemakers by wine enthusiasts in 2016. And she is the founder of New York Champagne Week, which is coming up soon. She is incredibly busy and full of life, uh, very effervescent personality. You may know her Instagram, Champagne Blaine, um, and she's just a ton of fun. So we're thrilled to have you here today, Blaine, and we um, want to get to know you better and help our listeners do the same. So tell us, how'd you get started in this uh, bubbly, bubbly world? Well, first off, thank you for having me, ladies. This is so much fun. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I think that bubbles ran through my veins when I was growing up. Um, I tended to always kind of be surrounded by bubbly in various ways. My first uh, job in a restaurant was at, as a hostess at a French restaurant in, in Hawaii, in Oahu, Hawaii, where I'm from. It's pretty famous for proposals. It's one of the only restaurants that's right on the beach. And so almost every night that I was the head hostess there, I would see bottles of champagne being popped. And I just thought it was just the coolest thing and so romantic and alluring. And I just kind of got into it then. And, um, and then I was doing events for the luxury lifestyle sector. I worked a lot with uh, Holt Living Magazine, Modern Luxury Magazines, and I did events for them. I not only covered them, but I also put on events and um, there was always champagne at every mm -hmm. single event. So um, when I shifted into covering, um, doing reporting about travel, wine, lifestyle and events, I then just honed in on, on the wine industry in 2010. That's awesome. And so what was the impetus for you to create the fizz is female with the female emphasis? Well, if you don't mind me going to Champagne Week first, sure. because it's the, it's the older of the okay. two forums. Um, 
I, I first launched New York Champagne Week. I was actually reporting for Tasting Panel Magazine in France for the month of June in 2013. And I went all over France and the article was called Tour de France. <laughs> and there was actually a part one and a part two. It was that long of a trip. Wow. And there was so much, uh, so much experience that we had to kind of break it up into two different stories and two different issues. And for that trip, one of the, um, one of the places I went was Bordeaux for Vin Expo. And this is where just like fate kind of aligns. Um, I was in the, the lobby of the hotel and I met a sommelier from Sweden who was opening a champagne bar in the opera house in Sweden. And he said, do you want to walk the show together? And if you know anything about Vin Expo in Bordeaux, it's the size of like three football fields. And I said, well, sure. Cause I didn't really have a focus at that time. I was just kind of there. Yeah. And I walked the show with him. And when I started telling all of these champagne producers that didn't have distribution in the US, lots of growers, lots of small, undiscovered gems. They said, can you help us get into New York? And I literally just had this aha moment, day two of meeting all of these incredible mm -hmm. producers. And was like, I'm gonna go back to New York and launch New York Champagne Week. I knew how to do events. I knew how to market through my experience from the luxury lifestyle sector. And I had been writing at that point about wine and food and the scene for about two, three years. So I was kind of ready to just kind of run with this idea. Wow, it's and, still audacious. And it happened that, yeah. <laughs> well, um, mentors of mine, I remember one mentor in particular, a VP of a pretty big liquor company was like, you need to wait a year, you need to wait a year. Like you, you need to think about this more because this was June and I wanted to do it in November. Oh, wow. I, I wanted to do it like, it's always been the second week of November. And, I, and I've, just, I've been like this my whole life. Like if I want to do something, if I have an idea, I'm going to run with it. There's no stopping me. And I said to him, I said, if I don't do it, someone else will. And sure enough, the next year, someone tried to do something similar. And the next year, two people tried to do something similar. Wow. So, and then also that next year, he said, year one, I told you to wait a year. This year, I tell you, expand, expand, expand. Ah, amazing. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> so clearly, it was an idea that it was something that needed to happen. And it, and it sounds like it kind of took you took went, took off and started running with it. Like I had no idea what I was doing in terms of that first year, I was clearing champagnes from France. I got a clearing house. So I, so, I could bring, so I could bring them in and introduce them to the New York trade and media. Um, it was so wild because at the time, like grower champagnes really didn't have that presence on lists the way they do today. Right. Um, it's definitely evolved over the seven years of champagne. Mm -hmm. um, and were you focused so on French champagne or was it uh, any, any bubbly from any parts of the world? Oh, Champagne Week is purely champagne. Okay. Um, I would be sued otherwise <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the power it bees. And in fact, I've been, people have tried to sue me for, for various reasons, uh, whether it be like one year I got a cease and desist because I was doing a champagne cocktail event. Mm. They didn't like that I was including cocktail or spirits with champagne. I said, listen, like I sent them the history of the champagne cocktail, of the airmail, of the French 75. I spoke about how this could open up a whole other um, profit margin sector for champagne for brands like Nicolas Foyot or Moet, mm. Moet that are willing to explore um, merging their products with champagne and, and playing with bartenders and their creations. So 
I, I, it hasn't been, I've always had a very, from inception, a very creative, interesting way, interesting way of marketing champagne. And it wasn't uh, applauded in the beginning. I really didn't start getting the, the support until about three, four years in. Yeah. It, and it takes time to get established, to get the word out. And Yeah. Even though I was at my event was connecting, it's always connected the brands to the trade and the media. I don't think I have any friends that aren't in the business. So, <laughs> maybe a few from like my childhood days, but they're mostly everyone's in hotel, restaurant, food, what restaurateur, chef, a sommelier, a buyer, a bartender. I mean, I don't have friends that aren't in this world. Well, it's all about your network, you know, and um, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, so explain champagne week to us. Tell us what you guys do. And, uh, and for someone who hasn't attended, what, what what would you expect at Champagne Week besides a lot of? Well, for the first handful of years, it was really just targeted to the trade and the industry. What I wanted to do as a former a former media member was give them the trade and the media a, a place to go and like have some fun. Like I didn't want to make this about a hard sell. I was very firm about that with the brands from inception. Like I want to give back to our business and let them come and experience and have a good time. And, and also we get so many invitations, especially in New York to come to events all day long. So I wanted them to stand out and be something they would want to do on their nights off. So I've always had a lot of fun with it. Like wine enthusiasts had said that, you know, they gave a nod to one of my events that I called let's get physical. <laughs> nice. And then I did a glassware comparative tasting with Philippe Jamez's glass from, he's from Le Crayer and Champagne and he has a glassware range with Lehman glassware. And we called it back that glass up. I mean, <laughs> traditional, cham <laughs> traditional, <laughs> traditional champagne, like the people in champagne were like, what is this girl doing? And I'm like, trust me, it is going to work. You will like it eventually. Um, the funny part is, I mean, if we're fast forwarding to this year, the funny part is people are having to get creative as ever with their marketing to navigate this virtual space oh, yeah. and, and be able to hop off the page like for like, you know, everything is online. Like you have to, you have to cater to creatively to people if you want to get your, their product, your product in their hands. Sure. So how are you doing that with um, the um, event this year? Well, so excitingly for me, which is insane. So this is what, you know, what would they say? Like seven year itch, right? It's either like you either just give up, you're done, you're out, you're just bye. I'm not doing this anymore. Or you, or it's when you kind of take off, right? Mm -hmm. So everything in my life goes the opposite way of what you would, what normal people would want their life to go. <laughs> like, it's like, I always say, if someone gives me lined paper, I write the other way. So it's just like, I'm kind of always doing things the different, a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I, one, have been wanting to do more with the consumer, but I didn't really know how to do that because the brands, in all honesty, were not giving funds or donations to people for the consumer. They want to get, in, they, they want to get in front of the trade. Um, so this year, because everything's virtual, I, you know, and because the focus has very much shifted to the consumer because restaurants are closed, who's going to buy the wine, the consumer. Um, I'm having a lot of fun <laughs> with the marketing and I've, I'm 
ticketing the event for the first time ever. Uh, every day we have one marquee event in the evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and still creative as ever, but we're partnering with a online retailer called Wired for Wine, mm. and they're going to be shipping the boxes that have all of the wines for every event, plus any swag, any like, you know, collateral marketing materials per that event. Per event. Um, we're actually announcing the events on the website on September 1st. So I am in major crunch time right now, oh, solidifying what everyone's doing. I'm writing event descriptions. I'm coming up with catchy names. I'm, um, you know, selecting the wines per event, uh, all that jazz. But it's going to be almost more interactive than ever as a result of this climate. Great. Oh, Which is so you mean so people can pick their event pay for the event, and then they'll get a box of stuff to taste along with you virtually. Um, exactly. Like I, I can tell, I mean, I can tell you a couple of the events sure. since we're going to unveiling them on Monday. Um, one of the ones I'm really excited about is called Mounier Magic, and it's with Skernick Wines. And um, some heads of Skernick Champagne's portfolio are going to be teaching that. Great. It's really cool because, you know, people are going to get to purchase these packages in up to 39 states because the wine retailer can ship to 39 states. So we're getting to also broaden right. the audience. And, the time ever. and you're introducing people to a grape that they probably aren't that familiar with. Exactly. But we also are pretty confident that a lot of the industry who goes out and spends lots of money on eating and drinking, that's not doing that right now. We think that they'll be purchasing experiences mm -hmm. and Every um, experience, you can do almost every experience. Uh, there's a virtual access option only, a one bottle access, and then a three bottle access. Okay. So um, the idea for the three bottle access is, you know, curate a great date night for your sweetie, um, have your girlfriends over, get dressed up. Um, our closing party is a Billicar masquerade ball. Oh, We're encouraging okay. people to get really dressed up and like wear masks. We're giving away a magnum of Billicar to the best dressed. Oh, wow. Like that's a fun experience for people to have friends over. And if they don't want to like, if they don't have the funds to purchase three bottles on their own, they have their friends go in on it. Mm -hmm. They each like divide it up into three. Um, so we're really having a lot of fun with it. And that's where I think that COVID has been kind of nice for me in that way because it's allowed me to be more creative than ever and not have to worry about the limited funds that I have to work with going to venues, venue fees. And do you think you're um, going to have a wider reach um, of people than you would normally for an in-person event? Definitely. I mean, I don't, it's tough. It's like everything's up in the air, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel really confident. I feel like I've connected with more people with this brand and with these platforms through COVID than I was before. I think my world was smaller before. And I think it's opened up my world. I mean, would I be chatting with you ladies? Maybe not. Um, I do everything I on my so. own. I, I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, I'm a one woman show, so yeah. it's like I run everything myself. Mm -hmm. I did develop a bubbly board this year, which is super exciting. So the bubbly board is a team of just people I love in the industry that I wanted to give a little nod to. And the members are teaching, moderating, hosting um, the events. So it's not just me this year. I'm not going to be like 
an Energizer bunny on every single event. I'm going to have, you know, a really cool team of people that is behind the week leading the events. And they'll also promote the events, which is opening myself up in the week up to more, even more people. Um, and I am doing a national press release. Like hopefully we get some love, you know, <laughs> uh, more, I need more love. I told wine enthusiasts and I last spoke to them, like, I need a little bit more love guys. What you got for me? <laughs> bring it on, bring it on. I need love. Yeah. <laughs> I need that kind of love too. <laughs> Well, um, you mentioned and- COVID. Oh, sorry, Mary. Okay. Uh, I was just going to ask you, Blaine, you mentioned COVID impacting not only your event, but uh, um, clearly the wine world in general. Tell me about the champagne world. What's happening in it right now in terms of, um, well, sales, growers, tariffs? Where are we in the world of champagne? Can you give us an update? Yeah. So um, a lot of the brands that I work with, uh, it's been pretty unanimous that they're doing great retail sales, um, that their retail sales are in line with holiday projections, which is usually where half of the total sales for champagne is made up from. So we call it S-O-N-D, right? September, October, November, December is when usually it's like the best time for champagne. Um, So in terms of retail, performance is really on point. Um, people are spending. People stopped spending about two months into COVID or the first two months of COVID, like March to June. But since mid-June, they've been investing more. And I think it's like an affordable luxury at the end of the day. It's a luxury, but it's an affordable luxury. Now on the flip side, that said, total sales are approximately down about 30%. Um, Across the board, it is a lot. Uh, so they're predicting that they will lose about 2 billion in total sales mm-hmm. by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And they're predicting wow. that like about a hundred million bottles will be like sitting in cellars. Wow. So that's heartbreaking. What's also heartbreaking, bittersweet is that it's a beautiful year. It's a, it, the growing conditions were perfect mm. this year. A lot of people are attributing that to the fact that there's not as much pollution because of everyone huh. having to oh. stay at home. Interesting. Which is interesting. Um, so perfect growing conditions. It would be a vintage year, but they have kind of like a cartel, like in the, for lack of a better word, they have a, a cartel of like champagne producers and growers that have decided because of the projected losses, they're gonna cut the growing season. So there's gonna, again, be grapes basically rotting uh. in the vineyards because they're, they're cutting the season because otherwise they can't pay the growers. And then furthermore, the growers are anticipated to not be paid for their wines for up to a year. Oh, wow. That's rough. It is. Because of how it fails. So they're saying it's like a depression. I mean, that's that's more that's more impetus for me my little week honestly but hopefully hopefully we get some awesome press bites and we get lots of love but you know I'm really that's more impetus for me to be creative and push the category more and more into yeah. people's hands yeah. absolutely um, and and some of these champagne producers you know we all know the big houses we know mum we know Vogue Clicquot. Um, but there's some, you know, there's a lot of, and you could talk to this more than I can, Blaine, um, these small, you're talking about grower produced, grower champagnes. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with what that is, um, there's all these small plots of vineyard 
um, throughout Champaign, the region, and um, the big houses like Mum, Veuve Clicquot, Tatinger, um, Pomery, they buy um, most of the grapes for production right. from these growers. But some growers have decided throughout the past decade or so, especially, that they could make their own champagne too. And, um, you know, they don't have the, um, the constraints that the bigger houses might have as to having to fit a house style or whatever. So, um, you know, it's, it's, um, they're fun to drink and, um, you know, they're the ones who I think may be suffering more. They're definitely suffering the most. Um, unfortunately, as usual, uh, you know, champagne week, I, I keep it really approachable for all brands to get involved. Um, of course, as it becomes a bigger production, like anything, you need bigger brand support. However, um, I've come up through this virtual strategy to have a place for everyone at every budget level, even coming down to like samples. I actually spoke with a new brand that launched um, right when COVID hit. Uh, a couple launched it and it's really creative. And she's like, we can only spare six bottles. And I said, okay, we'll find a place for you. <laughs> like, you know, we're making it happen um, because, you know, it's just important. Like the more noise about the category, the better. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the day, like I'm so passionate about champagne. I'm not in it as much for the, for the bank rolling. Like I'm not trying to bankroll here. I get to drink beautiful champagne. I get to work with amazing people. Um, and I get to put it in more people's hands. So tell me about that, Blaine. Does it frustrate you that people often think of champagne as special occasion only? You know, how do you combat yeah. that sort of mindset? Because it's such a lovely beverage. I think people save it for a real treat as opposed to popping corks nightly or a couple times a week, right? <laughs> Well, not in, in this household, as you'll see behind <laughs> me. Um, however, uh, however, you know, it's it comes down to education. So I talk about this a lot with people in restaurants and um, in retail stores. And it's really about, I think the consumer is becoming a lot more conscious of what they put into their body, not just food, but but wine and how everything is made. And I feel like, you know, every time I just stop and take five minutes to explain the process of how champagne is made and maybe give them a little tidbit about the family behind it, should I know the, the backstory, people really appreciate it. Um, and I'm not to, not to knock Prosecco or other bubbles, but it comes down to education. When people walk in the door, they don't always, I'm sorry, walk into the retail store to ask for a bottle of champagne for their best friend's birthday, they'll often walk out with a bottle of Prosecco because they don't really know the difference. They're calling everything champagne. Right. So mm -hmm. that's when that's when the retail has become so important and they need to say, well, listen, like that, this is Prosecco and explain to them there. People want to know, well, so you know? Give us a quick little cliff notes on it for our listeners who might not know. Give us a little, your, you know, your two minute spiel on that. Well, right. So um, to be considered champagne, it has to be made in the champagne region. Um, it has to be aged for at least 15 months. A lot of the champagnes that I work with through Champagne Week are aged for a minimum of two years. So that right there is raising the cachet of the product. It's literally raising the cost of the product. Um, it's uh, there's I like to tell people this story that don't know champagne. 
that houses have a riddler and the riddler goes and turns every bottle every day one fourth of an inch and and that person needs to be compensated so the cost the labor the the heart that goes into the winemaking process for champagne versus a two a weak steel tank method prosecco, you see that reflected in the cost. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just the co the quality to co cost to quality ratio um, that you have to explain to people, or the quality to quantity mm -hmm. ratio rather. And um, I think also the fact that prosecco differs because it is a, a much quicker turnaround. It's a really fresh, fruity wine. Drink it now. Champagne. There's got to be a reason for a minimum 15-month aging and up to two years and beyond. Um, and I believe that's because of it develops much more complexity than Prosecco could ever get. And the bubbles become more finesse. Uh, they, they have more finesse the longer it ages, a finer perlage. Um, an example is like, you know, if a wine ages 18 months, you can taste the, it's a harsher, mm -hmm. a little harsher, um, the bubble is a little bit more robust than a wine that's aged for three years. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So Mary Orlin asked you about this earlier, but your website is called The Fizz is Female. So let's circle back to that. And yeah. you know, when you talk about bubbles, I know speaking from experience myself and my girlfriends, um, the ladies do like the bubbles. <laughs> and so is that what you mean when you said the fizz is female and is it, is it exclusively so or what? <laughs> so, um, and so New York Champagne Week is one website, just to clarify. Um, but New York Champagne Week launched in 2013 and I, this is really crazy, but I almost unloaded it. I, in 2017, I made an announcement and a pre like all of this, I put it out there as if this is my last year doing it because I wasn't getting the support. Um, and a lot of the pushback I was getting was from men in champagne. Mm. And um, I, I was just kind of done. So I was like, viva la fizz is female. <laughs> um, I, and I wanted to, I, well, what I wanted to do was give women in wine, specifically champagne and sparkling wine, a platform to promote their roles, their talents, um, but I also wanted to be able to open myself up to other bubbles, not just champagne, because I do drink other bubbles. I drink Cremants, I drink Cava's, I drink French Porta, I drink South American sparkling. Um, you know, I, I love bub premium and like well-made bubbly. Uh, so I almost completely let champagne go. I in fact took a one-year hiatus. It would be eight years this year uh, to conceptualize and produce a Physis Female event. And the first Physis Female event was in October 2018. And it was, the idea was to have a panel, like a like a panel of leading ladies in the Fizz Biz, as I said, what I called it. Um, and we had that first panel at Cork Buzz in New York. Cork Buzz mm -hmm. is a wine bar that's owned by Laura Menia, who was one of the first, now Fiorvante, but Laura was, the first female sommelier under 30. Um, and she opened up Cork Buzz, which is a very champagne heavy wine bar. Uh, so it was at Cork Buzz and I opened it up to 40 trade members for complimentary registration. And we had um, Pauline Lott, the winemaker for uh, 
Chandon, USA. We had Rita Jamey, the owner of La Caravelle Champagne. Jen Pelka, the owner of The Riddler, which is a champagne bar that was both in New York and San Francisco. And uh, Tanya Faulkner, the owner of Le Grand Cortage, which is a French mm -hmm. sparkling that's mass produced. Um, and one other person, and I feel bad for you other person because I'm forgetting who you are. <laughs> oh, well, well, I don't forget the moderator. So Susan Castrava, and Susan um, is the ed editor, executive editor for Wine Enthusiast Magazine. So what we did was we talked to each of those, those women about their experiences and their different roles in the business. Since we have one wine winemaker, one brand owner, one restaurant owner with a fizz focus. And then we had a tasting and um, that grew. And this year we were supposed to go on the road and that's why mm -hmm. I'm in Hilton Head right now. I was actually leaving New York for the spring to take business female on the road to like Aspen Food and Wine, mm -hmm. that's Naj. Um, a new festival in San Diego called Bubbles, and I was going to do standalone events in LA and San Francisco and then the Hamptons. So I had this whole like six month calendar plans. And then when this all happened, I quickly segued to the web and started the virtual train with Wednesday happy hour, women crush Wednesday happy hours, featuring the women that I was supposed to go on the road with for the last six months. And so that platform has grown tremendously and it almost overtook the success of Champagne Week. But then now Champagne Week is getting back up there because Champagne needs some love right now, right? right. So who's going to do it? And finally, you know, people are kind of like, oh, can you help us? And I'm like, yes, mm. I can. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and you also have some personal experience in creating Champagne. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, I, as I said, I've had some competition in the in the marketplace, and competition's good, keeps you on your toes. Um, in year four, I needed to stay fresh and come up with a just a hook. So I actually was consulting um, with a small house that didn't have distribution in the U.S. yet on their U.S. rollout and on their labels. So this was when kind of I don't know if you all recognize this at the time but in 2013 and 14 brands were adding like a flagship bottle to their range so they were doing like a millennial bottle mm -hmm. and it was hilarious because brands like tat and jay had their traditional label range but then they would they had one that was like a purple disco disco yeah. ball and so it was just like so <laughs> funny their demo <laughs> and it was their demi sack it was like that's where you have these like pr companies that are like oh they come up with these kind of incentives yeah. that are like well um millennials like sweet and it's like almost everyone did like mm -hmm. a dummy sack lay a flagship label so i'm like talking all the brands i work with and i'm like just do a whole label refresh like let's get out of the traditional like boring mundane grandfather label and let's do something fun so this brand i was consulting and I just one day was like, listen, why don't I do a label with you guys, like a, la a collaboration label, and it'll be, I'll come up with the name, the design, um, I'll promote it sh surrounding Champagne Week as like the flagship champagne for the fourth annual Champagne Week, and I'll do all the sales. And I ordered two pallets through them. Um, I didn't, 
we had a deal, so I had to sell it. I didn't have to like pay for it. It was kind of like they got exposure through Champagne Week. And um, that was way too much to order, by the way, but I actually... <laughs> But I actually sold it all you did. within within like a month and a half. Okay. Hey, well done. Mm-hmm. So I took it to everyone involved in Champagne Week, like all the venues. And I was just like, it's our flagship for Champagne Week. And we're doing this big buildup. And we launched it on Global Champagne Day, which is around October 16th every year. The, the third Friday, third Friday of every October. And I launched it that day. I had a big party at a main retail that a retailer that I work with. And then I like pre-sold bottles and I just did it right. And it was like crazy. It was so crazy. And we have one bottle in our family left that my parents are actually holding for me because if I had it at my apartment in New York, it would be gone by now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you've got them for, with the restraint on it. You know, that's great. I'm not only like I hostess with the mostest. Like I have the tiniest apartment, classic New York. But people, in, and especially in this business, I'm in East Village in New York, lots of bars, lots of restaurants. My rep friends will be like walking by, like, hey, are you home? Like I always have the makings for cheese plates mm. and like hummus platters and like bottles ready to pop. So it's like I'm always hosting impromptu parties. I love that. And that bottle would have been gone tenfold by oh, now. sure. I <laughs> love that you're like that. That's a great way to be. How fun. <laughs> Hey, I had a question for you. What would you have with all of your experience in sh- with champagne and bubbles in general? What are some tips for um, the, you know, the bubble novice? Um, any consumer tips, you know, when you're out either looking for a bottle or wanting to order some at a restaurant or something? What, do you have any go-to ideas for people to keep in mind? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I was talking with my dad about this the other day. Um, you know, if he wants to get champagne for a special occasion or for just dinner, dinner guests, um, go with what you like, right? So there's three, there are three grapes in champagne, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Um, if you're a Chardonnay drinker, ask if they can point you toward a 100% Blanc de Blanc champagne. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for your price point, you know, just say, oh, I'm on a bit, bit of a budget. Like, no shame in that game, you know, yeah, especially we, right now. Yeah, people always think of champagne as always being expensive. No, there's a lot of 40 and $50 bottles out there, and a lot of those bottles are grower champagnes, actually. Hmm. So you can get between the 40 and $60 mark. And, and um, you know, and then if you're a red wine drinker, maybe ask if you can try 100% Pinot Noir champagne. Um, Bull de Rev, my, my label, it means dream bubble, was 100% uh, Pinot Noir. So, uh, you know, and I just think, you know, it's all about being adventurous, right? Um, you just, just ask your wine store clerk what they're into right now. I mean, I do that with still wines all the time. Um, yeah, all the time. I mean, I go and I, I drink a lot of whites. I drink a lot mm-hmm. of like, uh, right now, um, I'm into like Etna, mm-hmm. like Sicilian whites. Love those wines. Um, yeah. So I'll go into the store. I love Greek wines right now. I'm just kind of into it. I'm in the humid south. Yes. Maybe that's like my, my, my <laughs> a little something to do um, with it. But even here, we have a great wine store. I mean, this is not a wine mecca, but we have two great wine stores here, and they get great selections, and they've come to find out what I like. And I'll go in, and I'll pick my normal, like my usual, I'll gravitate toward the ones I love. And then they'll say, hey, try this, try this. And I'm like, all right. So just kind of take away this the idea that it's snobby like the 
the sommelier wants to like show you wines they love. The wine clerk wants to show you the wines they're really into right now. Right. They want people to buy it and reach for it. And, and everyone's on a budget. Who's not on a budget? <laughs> you know, so especially true. during COVID. So true. You're <laughs> right. Absolutely. It is a great equalizer. <laughs> we yeah, we can all relate. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, but you said how to make it more approachable. Yes. Um, also like food. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the events that we do, like for Champagne Week, um, even before all this, one of the events we're doing this year is um, fried chicken and champagne. Love that. that oh, and yes, we're actually, part yeah, we're partnering with Coats, which is a really cool Korean steakhouse in New York. Mm. But they have a partnership with um, Gold Belly. So we are, again, okay. getting to open up nationally. So nationally, people will get fried chicken sent to their doorstep. But we're taking it up a notch with like a Grand Crew add-on, and the Grand Crew add-on is caviar. Oh, so anyone can add caviar yeah. to their fried chicken for a <laughs> little know, extra why cost. Not? Exactly, and that's um, with Rita from La Caravelle. And Rita, when I think about food pairings and like decadence, I think about Rita Jamais of La Caravelle. So it's it's the perfect event for her brand. Sure. Um, Any other um, foods besides fried chicken that you think go really well with champagne? Well, I love sushi. Being from Hawaii, I'm a big sushi girl, and I grew up on sushi, and um, I think it goes great with champagne. Um, also, just simplified potato chips. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really good. Um, popcorn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. popcorn. I love to sprinkle a little like olive uh, truffle oil on my popcorn. Uh -oh. You know, I'm all about the kind of like approachable decadence, the petite indulgence. Mm -hmm. um, tacos are fun. Sure, nice. why not? I like that. Yeah. See, yeah. Make yeah. Of that. Yeah. Of course, French fries. I mean, I don't, I don't do a lot of fried food. I try. I mean, I, I eat all food. But, you know, I get a lot of yeast and sugar from my champagne consumption. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm into, like, you know, the fresh fish and salad and all that jazz. But I love, like, nice, like, snacks, like popcorn, um, chips. And I will definitely get down with, like, chicken, a fried chicken and champagne. Love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. you clearly have a lot going on. After you wrap up Champagne Week, what's next for you? Good question. Um, <laughs> it's taken so much planning and time and effort. Um, usually I am into like spring of next year in my head and in my calendar. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to expand Fizz's Female um, and again, take it to various wine festivals and food festivals across the country. The question is if we'll be able to do that physically. Mm -hmm. um, so really like Physics Email is meant to be a year round platform at this point. I would love to take it to like Vin Italy and like, you know, Aspen Food and Wine. And um, again, to Batonage, which we were a part of this year, it was virtual. Um, like, as many women and wine festivals as possible as well. There's tons of those popping up. Um, I guess, I'd love to have, have a footprint there. I guess it's hard to plan with COVID though, isn't it? It's, it's hard really to hard to plan. Mm -hmm. um, I am getting into the merchandise game, which ah. is kind of interesting because I didn't mention this, but my first career out of college was in fashion. And I actually did get into the fashion merchandising, like e-commerce mm -hmm. um, side of the spectrum. But then the recession hit 2008. So that was very quick lived. And Etsy and Instagram didn't exist then. Right. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, 
I was kind of like, what am I? I mean, that that was more that was the riskiest thing I've ever done because I had no footprint. Um, so we have created these fun little champagne masks. Ah, I love it. Love it. <laughs> They're black masks with gold champagne print. I That's love right. it. Oh, it's awesome. And we have some t-shirts and sweatshirts that are super cute. Like I'm not a t-shirt girl, but I will like rock one, like knotted up and rolled up and with fun accessories. And we'll style um, it. We, yeah, we'll style it out. So I have some um, merchandise on the website on New York Champagne Week. We have a bubbly boutique. We have some glassware. We're adding wine bags, champagne mm-hmm. bags. Um, when we unveil, when we do the ticket launch for Champagne Week, which is September 15th. Um, and I'm talking to beauty companies about doing champagne beauty products. I love that. Which is really fun. <laughs> and I might get into the private label game again and do a couple more products, like maybe a cans mm-hmm. something. Sure. Um, and there. maybe another champagne. Good. Up the yeah. can game. I, I'm looking for a good can. <laughs> I'm, I'm searching yeah. again. <laughs> a good can of bubbles. Yeah. Listen, yeah. I like, I buy cans every time I go to the wine store and my mother is my big guinea pig. Cause like I said, I'm quarantining my family the last six months and she likes lower ABV. So I'm just like, giving her like a, I take a sip and I'm like here drink the rest drink the rest <laughs> she's my she's my guinea pig um, what a sport so I I I have been trying to launch a new champagne label for the last two years and things have gotten in my way the tariffs mm, and then yeah. COVID so it's very likely that I'm going to be launching my next champagne label in 2021 um so stay tuned for that (laughs) absolutely you have found so many ways to be creative within the champagne space it's really it's so cool to hear everything going on and then what you've got what you're dreaming up next thank you well i've always been very entrepreneurial Um, my mother was with the small business administration and in fact when i was uh, graduating high school they offered to give me the money for college to like buy the bu- the place I was managing at the time to get into my own business. And I was like, so insulted, but I ended up doing my own thing anyway. So it was like, it just kind of, they knew, you know, wow. your, your, your mom always knows. <laughs> so true. So great. Yeah. So, Hey, before we let you go, tell us, uh, tell our listeners how they can get involved with New York champagne week. What do they need to do to get on board? And I think you said September one, there's, you're launching the events. So um, NewYorkChampagneWeek.com, and we have a newsletter you can sign up to, and we only send out the newsletter once a week, if that, but like usually it's been pretty consistent once a week, Um, so we don't bombard you. Uh, We will be listing the events that are, the events calendar at a glance on Tuesday, September 1st, and then the ticket sales go live Tuesday, September 15th. And, um, and then the tickets are available for sale through October 21st. We actually, to be able to open it up to 39 states, we have to stop ticket sales a little sooner than we'd like mm. um, to be able to order the products, oh, sure. and out to pack the cases. Mm-hmm. And the, um, we also have a great glassware partner I met I wanted to give a little love to. So beautiful glass, as you can see. Um, Gabriel Glass and or that some of the events 
you'll get a uh, a, a glass, a complimentary glass. So for some of the higher end events, we're sending two per package. And this glass is called the Gold Edition and it's $75. Ooh, beautiful glass. <laughs> but it it's is. stunning. It is stunning. Um, yeah, it's, it's perfect for champagne as well. Um, so lots going on and super exciting. And I, I hope to see you ladies at Champagne Week. Yes, we hope so too. Thank um, you. I, I'm, I'm planning. I'm planning on it. I know that. <laughs> I'll be involved. I definitely, too. I definitely need you all to send me your address so I can send you these. Oh, these thank you. Great. We, will, yeah. we will wear it. Good, we will wear it in good health for sure. <laughs> well, it has been such a treat having you here. Let's do a little cheers. We all have yes. a glass yeah. in front of us. So cheers and sip, sip, hooray to you, Blaine. Cheers. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Have a good one. It's been too. so fun. Thank you. So much fun. I appreciate it. Bye. Well, that was super sparkly and fun and ebullient and all that great stuff. I loved her. And what a powerhouse in the champagne world. And, you know, her so creative and she's really, you know, pulling people into this world. And the big thing is, listeners, champagne is an everyday indulgence. Why not celebrate that it's a Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening, or whatever? I know we get so much in our ruts, whether it's a Chardonnay or a Cabernet, we, we forget about the bubbles and they are so much fun and they taste so good with a lot of the summer foods. That's, and I love the, the chicken fried chicken oh, and taco pairing. <laughs> I, I'm going to try tacos, you know, uh, being in California, we love our tacos. And instead of, <laughs> instead of beer, champagne, why not? That's right. And you know, you can follow Blaine Ashley. She's Champagne Blaine on Instagram. And also the Fizz is Female, I think, is an Instagram page as well, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah. And um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Sip Sip Hooray Podcast and on Facebook also at Sip Sip Hooray Podcast and on Twitter, Sip Sip Hooray podcast one. And um, also go to our website, sipsipparay.com. Sorry, sipsipparaypodcast.com. There you go. There. And um, click on the subscribe button so you want, don't miss any of our episodes. And we've got some really exciting things coming up in addition to the sparkling edition. That's right. And if you like what you're doing, tell your friends so that more people can get on board with us and we can help keep promoting. We were talking about COVID and how it's impacting the wine world. Help us promote some of the great people in the wine industry through our show. So if you like it, share it. And we thank you for that. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. The two Marys want you to eat, drink, and be merry. And uh, sip, sip, hooray. And we're going to play you out with a little bit more of Jimmy Fitz's Don't Waste My Champagne. <laughs> Let me drink it. <laughs> Absolutely. Drink it all. Cheers. Don't go wasting my champagne. Don't go wasting my champagne. It's a valuable commodity. Now need I explain? So don't go wasting my champagne. Don't go wasting my champagne. Don't go wasting my champagne. in my champagne.
single